this is Lady Tiffany Ma, and this is My Mind Emporium. Welcome to my podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to this glorious Monday. I don't know what's going on with Georgia's weather. Um, it was spring. It was 80 degrees yesterday. Yeah, I said it was 80 degrees yesterday. And then this today is 60. So, Mother Nature, what are you doing? I'm just going to assume you're doing it well. You're doing whatever your job is supposed to be, whatever that is. So, you know, we always complain about it's too hot and it's too cold. So, it is what it is. Um, I hope everybody had a lovely weekend. Mine was lovely. I was able to go to my hometown. I went to my hometown initially to get um, mail, but then I found myself um, hanging out with my cousins for a good minute, which that is good. That is good, you know, because we haven't seen them and we haven't celebrated any holidays um, in person or anything in person. And there's no holiday, even though um, from I'm, if I'm not mistaken, England and the Commonwealth were celebrating Mother's Day this weekend. So, um, but there's no how there was no holiday this weekend. I know St. Patrick's is coming up, but just to see my family members and just to be in my hometown was a very awesome experience. It made up for last weekend because I'm still on a high from last weekend, y'all. I can't even, man. I can't even. And yes, I do think there's going to be better days to come. Um, that that was beautiful for me. I I love this. So yeah, um, that this weekend was even better because it kind of balanced out my high. Because I needed a balance. And so I needed that medium of something good to happen. But it needs to be something that's tangible and something that brings me back down to earth. So I love hanging out with my cousins. I loved what what, um, what was going on. Everybody's talking about trying to figure out, find a hustle. We're in a new age, y'all. Um, everybody's trying to find a hustle. Everybody's trying to do something different. We all need to do so. Because um, things are different now. And they're not going to go back. But, you know, last decade, it cha- it changed too. So y'all should be ready for this and be excited about this. Um, So, yeah. I want to do a little weekend rundown of pop culture things that happened that mean something to me. Because I think sometimes I come on here and I just go straight to the topic and the subject. And I don't open my mind about, you know, things that interest me or intrigues me. So I want to talk a little bit about some topics that happened over the weekend. Um, the first topic that happened over the weekend was R&B singer, R&B legend, Anita Baker, is fighting for her masters and asks fans not to buy or stream her music. She, um, This is what I was talking about when I said that it's always good to own yourself and it's always good to own your music and copyright your music. And and to have your masters and to share your masters. This is what people have been talking about for years after years after years. She had been under a contract, if I'm not mistaken, for the past 30 years. And she said she has outlived her contract with the record label. And so now it's time for her to have her own masters. Because she worked hard for her masters. She's outlived them. And she should at least get the luxury of making money off of her own masters. Um, So... In support of legendary Anita Baker, I would suggest to anybody, do not stream her music. Do not purchase her music until she get her masters. Um, we got to make sure the money gets right to the artist because the money don't get to the artist. So you, y'all have to make sure all these artists get their money, especially while they're living, get their flowers while they're living and while they can, because it's unfair that everybody makes money off the artist, but the artist. And so it's time for artists to get back what they deserve and get back what they work hard for so that topic right there that's that that was like dear to my heart because i would not buy i would not bootleg cds because of artists and what artists were saying so that's a huge topic kirk franklin got caught 
cussing out his son. Now, for those of you who've never been cussed out by your parents, I'm glad you had that life. I'm glad that that never happened to you. I'm glad that never went down. Um, but I heard the audio, and so I'm gonna give my little two cents on it. Two dollars and fifty cents. How about that? Two dollars and fifty cents on this, because I think first and foremost, I didn't like how they both were coming at each other. Um, I know how it is when you get into an argument with your parents. I got into an argument with my mom, but I didn't record her because one, it's just. Well, I'm a personal recorder anyway, so I repeat everything you say back to me because I hear exactly what you said. People don't think I'm listening, and I be listening to you straight up. I can repeat everything you say to me right back. So what happened was he recording his dad, cussing him out. And, and the first thing that came out of his mouth is, I'm grown. Well, if he's paying your bills, you're not grown. That's somebody who, for somebody who I, I don't even pay my own bills neither like that. Um, So my thing is, it's like it's two sides of every story. And to me, you can't just sit up there and start recording in the middle of a conversation because it didn't escalate until he said, he said something, but he didn't record what he said. He recorded what his dad said when he got mad. And then he started making little, little comments after what he said. And my thing is, it was like, it was not okay for neither one of them to talk to each other like that, but he did not show what he did to piss off his father. So with that being said, do not sit up there and get behind this boy and, and make him a victim. Okay, don't do that. He's not a victim. He's not a baby. and He's not a child. He can fight his own battles. He ain't scared of his daddy. So don't, don't, don't fall for that. Everybody wants to sit up there and claim they're a victim of someone and they're not. Stop your mess. Okay, I want to hear the whole conversation. I want to hear what you said to agitate him. Because to me, it seemed like he was reacting to something he did. And I didn't like that. I didn't like that I heard the middle of the conversation, not the whole conversation. So don't judge the whole story until you know the whole thing. It is what it is. Um, Next topic I want to talk about briefly is Beyonce makes history with winning her 28th Grammy making her the most decorated woman in Grammy history. That's, I mean, yeah, okay. I'm not saying that she's not the most decorated. She is the most decorated and she is the most awarded. But, like, what about, um, I mean, the years that she won all her work, there was a lot of artists that she trampled over. So congratulations, Beyonce, on being the most decorated uh, artist in history, female artist in history. But um, there's a couple of times she won a Grammy, and I'm pretty sure somebody else deserved it. Sorry. I'm just going to have to be that booger in your nose. And I'm going to be that booger in your nose, okay? And you're not going to dig me out until we talk about facts. All right, so the talk is on a brief hiatus from, well, it's on a brief hiatus because of Sharon Osbourne uh, controversy of supporting Pierre Morgan. Now, I saw this video too where she was arguing with Cheryl Underwood and I did not like the tone that she was taking with Cheryl Underwood. I don't know why Cheryl Underwood was sitting up there treating her like a baby and she said she's a 68-year-old woman. So I'm going to address you as such. You're a 68-year-old woman, right? So you should be able to have the backbone and understand what racism is. Y'all better stop pee-patting these people sitting up there, wool sitting up there and sheep clothing. Stop it. Don't be pee-patting her. She pissed me off with that. She's playing the victim. You're not a victim. And your friend is an awful person. He's mad because Meghan Markle don't want him. And so now he think he can say what the hell he wants to about his ex. No, you can't. You can't say what the hell you want to about your ex. So stop pity patting this whole little pity pat party. Just stop it. 
Speaking of the Royals, and I like that I was able to spin that off. Um, today's topic is about the Royals. Yes, it is. I'm talking about another story with the Royals, but it's going to be based off of something I watched. Y'all know this is Movie Monday. I did not watch many movies, okay? I did watch a documentary about another Prince William. I will also be talking about that too. They'll be added in the end. So, let's get it started. Today's topic about the Royals is based off the series, The House of Windsor. Um, now, I watch a lot of series based on the Royals, which is funny because um, during the pandemic, that's what I did. I watched a bunch of series. I watched the assassination of um, Archduke Ferdinand and his wife. I watched a movie about um, the Romanovs. The Tsar and Tsarina and their children being murdered. And I watched The House of Windsors. And of course, I binge watched The Crown because I like The Crown. Now, I think The Crown ain't going to be long before they, they cancel that show. Because they are stepping. They need to tread softly. I need to know what's fact and what's fiction sometimes, okay? Even though y'all may feel like fiction is, is uh, y'all may feel like what they say is fact. That's the story they want you to tell. And when you're alive, you can control the narrative of your story. And so, unfortunately, um, for the royal family, Princess Diana told her narrative before she passed away. Um, it's just like with Meghan Markle. She's telling her narrative, too, before, you know, just before. Sometimes you got to record things before you know something bad might happen. And that is what happened with Meghan Markle and Princess Diana. They both have shared their narratives and gave you a whole different perspective of the royal family. So I want to talk about this series I was watching called The House of Windsor. If you do not and you are not aware of the history of the royal family, um, I'm going to tell you this. This is directly from the documentary The House of Windsor. I did not get it from no conspiracy theory site, even though conspiracy theory sites, some of them further confirmed exactly what the what the uh, docu-series House of Windsor was saying. So y'all, you know, want to talk crap about conspiracy theories, but that is based off truth. And the documentary talks about truth. So y'all can slice that bread the way you want to slice that piece of bread. But I know that what I'm telling you is based off this series, docu-series. House of Windsor. So here we go. The first episode, because I'm on, on episode six where they talk about Prince Charles and what Prince Charles was about and how he was kind of opposite of his mother and what he was trying to do and how that changed once he became a husband. Um, That was the last one I watched. I did not finish it though because I got caught up in eating food. But the first episode is about the House of Windsor and how it changed from Saxe-Coburg-Gotha to the Windsors. Oh, see, I probably touched something y'all weren't supposed to feel, right? Yeah, for y'all don't know, Queen Elizabeth and Prince Philip are direct descendants of Queen Victoria, who is a Saxe-Coburg-Gotha. Her name is not Windsor. They changed her name to Windsor because of World War I. Um, during World War I, the royal family wanted to keep themselves safe. They did not want to be... Uh, they didn't, Everything that was happening to all the other royal families like Archduke Ferdinand and him and him which I did not know his children survived, but his children did survive. He had three children and all of them survived. Um, what happened with the Romanovs, which I'm going to specifically get into the Romanovs later. What happened to um, the Austro-Hungarian Empire? Is a lot. 
a whole lot. Basically, World War One um, is the reason why Russia does not have a czar and czarina. Um, anybody know the story of the Romanovs? And everybody knew you grew up, you watched this movie on Disney called Anastasia. It was crazy because I had watched the movie Anastasia before I watched the movie about the Romanovs. And I did not know the history of World War One like that. And let's be honest, we all have been in history class. And it's Sometimes it's a snooze. It's a snooze fest and they don't specify things that need to be specified. Like, you know the Axis powers, right? When it comes to World War II because Hitler is famous. Everybody love him some Hitler. Even though y'all want to be so-called against Hitler, y'all love talking about man. I mean, he ain't even paying y'all no attention. They man been dead. And y'all still talk about Hitler because y'all admire what he did. That's why. Let's be honest. So, but everybody know what the Axis powers is in World War II. The Axis powers are Germany, Italy, Mussolini, and Japan. They didn't spend a lot of time talking about World War I, which I never understood. I never understood that. But basically, it was a revolution against all European royal families. Um, and so, which is why the, there was a massacre of the Romanovs. What happened to Archduke Ferdinand? That happened. There was something going on over there. Um, and it caused World War I. And the British royal family was like, okay, you know what? We relinquish our power and we relinquish our past and our, and our heritage that is attached to them. Because y'all do understand that um, Tsar Nicholas and King George, which is Queen Elizabeth's grandfather, oh yeah, they're cousins. They were cousins. So he watched his cousin get murdered in Russia. Oh, y'all thought that Princess Diana thing was something. Oh, no. They, they, they're ice cold, honey. I felt like that was ice cold. It was ice cold. Um, Tsar Nicholas even asked King George. He was like, hey, yo, you know, we don't know what's going to happen to our family. Can you help us? And he's like, nah, I'm good. I, I can't help you. I'm sorry. I can't help you. And, I, and I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not going to make King George look bad because in the documentary, it was basically they said that he did not know it would end up like this. He never would have thought that his cousin and his family would have been murdered, which, by the way, his mother, I think, survived. His mother was somewhere else. So the fact that Anastasia put it out there that grandma did survive, mm, Speaks volumes because you know that's one of the things about Anastasia is that Anastasia doesn't know she is Anastasia, she is Anya. Um, and I'm talking about that a lot because I want to see where history is true and where history is not true. It's the same thing with Pocahontas. What's the true story about Pocahontas versus the fiction they give you at Disney? And Disney really feeds you some cow dung with that way. That, you know, she was a grown woman. Girl, bye. But we're talking about the Romanovs. But what happened was um, his um, they were basically cousins. So the Romanovs were related to the Windsors, a.k.a. the Saxe-Coburg-Gothas. And what happened was uh, the, the, the monarchy of England um, compromised with the people and played opossum while the monarchy in um Russia was like nah we about that life <laughs> like you ain't gonna uh-uh you ain't gonna relinquish my power 
I'm czar. We're doing this. We're doing that. And the other, all that mess. So, you know, they, they, they was, they massacred the Romanovs. But the, the Windsors kept their, they changed their names so they can cut ties with them because they all, let's be honest, the whole European monarchy came from Queen Victoria's uterus. All of them with her, their kids, her grandkids, all up in there. All right. Even Queen Mary, Queen Elizabeth's grandmother, is a direct descendant of Queen Victoria. You see what happened when you have a lot of kids? Y'all better stop telling people to stop procreating. You can create a whole dynasty out of procreating. Some people understood the power of the... <laughs> I'm not going to say that. But some people, they totally understood it. But all of them were her children, her grandchildren, her great-grandchildren... All of them came from Queen Victoria, honey. All of this is Queen Victoria uh, bloodline and Queen Victoria's name before they changed the British royal family to Windsor's with Saxe-Coburg-Gotha. So with um, the Windsor's surviving, which is the bloodline directly to Queen Elizabeth getting the monarchy, um, the monarchy, I'm sorry. Um, that's how they survive. They made a tough decision to stay out of other people's business and they dealt with their own. And the British monarchy has always been like that ever since. Um, they can't give a political opinion. That's why people were mad at uh, Meghan Markle. She gave a political opinion about something that she was not supposed to. The uh, monarchy is not supposed to do that. The monarchy is supposed to stay out of political things. So, and she's been able to survive as queen because she stayed out of politics. You know, basically, they did what they had to do to survive, the Windsors did. But the cookie ain't crumbling quite white to me. I don't know why I can't talk, because I meant right, not white. The cookie, the cookie's not crumbling quite right with me, because y'all understand that Russia is very much bigger than... Great Britain. And if you saw how decorated and how extravagant the Romanovs were living, let's just say this. I am curious because I already told y'all, I want to go see my family. I want to go see my cousins. And, you know, what if we all had an empire? You know, let's just say that I I was a queen of my own kingdom. And they had their own little little queen kingdoms and kingdoms and stuff like that. But I was England. And let's just say, for an example, uh, my cousin Roy was Russia. And he was much bigger than me. Wouldn't there be some jealousy? Some tension between the two because Russia is has a billion people. I don't know how many people Russia had then, but Russia has a billion people. You want to know why America is so scared of Russia? It's because Russia has a billion people. So do China. Because guess what? They understood the rules of procreating. They have an understanding that <laughs> the more of us, the more we can make like us. And the reason I say the cookie's not crumbling quite well is because I feel like once again, don't sell me piss 
and say it's lemonade. Now, I know the documentary said he felt awful what happened to his cousin over there with the biggest European nation in Europe. And he just felt awful and he couldn't believe it just happened. But you don't tell me that Britain was not threatened by Russia. If Russia cared about the poor, and I'm not talking about now, I'm talking about then, if the Tsar and Tsarina cared about the poor and made sure that people didn't get hungry, because let's be honest, the one way the Windsors have kept their self together is because they have sacrificed things too. They have sacrificed powers. They have done things to support the effort of not only World War I, but of World War II. So they kept they kept their things going because they related to the commoner, the, the normal person, your everyday person. Um, because when I was watching documentary and they were talking about Prince Charles, he was doing things to help the poor people. I'm not trying to make these people look good, y'all. All right. I'm just going off the facts I'm getting off this docu-series. And they have been making effort to relate to your common everyday people. The Tsar's arena, they didn't. So it's like, you don't have to be concerned. You know, you're the biggest country in Europe. You're bad. We got to worry about this. Don't worry about those people out there protesting because they haven't had food or water for 15 days. Nobody cares. And I'm not talking about Russia now. I'm talking about Russia during World War I. But I just can't help but feel like there has to be some form of an inside job to topple them down. Don't you think? Let's be honest, most of us know that we all know the person that would destroy our empire. And most of the time is family or our best friends. And a lot of times when it's family, it's a cousin that's mad that you got money and they don't. Everybody had it. It's not just a black people thing. So I ain't gonna sit there and spare that narrative like it's just a black people thing. You sit over there. You're Russia. You're huge. Everything going good over there. Hmm. It's the inside job, right? Wouldn't it sound like an inside job? It's just too much about right, you know? And keep in mind, they killed all of the Romanovs. All the children, all the people who inherited the Romanov dynasty are gone. But y'all remember, you know, people were starting a rumor and there was a rumor going around in Russia that they um, basically either Anastasia survived or one of the um, Romanov girls has survived. I don't think the boy would have survived. He was a hemophiliac, so he. Once anything happened to him, he would bleed and could not stop bleeding. But it was allegations that somebody shit could have survived. But then they said they found all the bones of all the children. They finally found all the bones of all the children. So there's no inheritance, right? There's nobody to inherit the Russian Empire if they were to bring back the Russian Empire. But it had to be somebody that the Romanovs trust that did something like that, right? Somebody that they knew, somebody they had been around for a minute, somebody that they ate dinner with, somebody that had, you know, did a dab with, somebody they knew. Because they thought they were protected.
I would like to know how much did the Windsors know about the assassination of the Romanoff family and the assassination of Archduke Ferdinand? But I'm just focusing on the Romanoffs because it's a bigger country. I, um, no, y'all gonna be like, well, you're just being a conspiracy theory, there is, and, um, you're just talking about, you're just running your mouth and have hot air, but if there's a theory, if that, because you gotta understand, when you're a royal, the security is pretty much high. You can't just walk up to Prince William if you felt like it. That, that's just not gonna happen. And if you do, girl... Good luck to you, honey. You must be cute. But it was no way in the world that you could just walk up to anybody in a royal family. No way in the world you can do that. You can't do that. So what we're going to do is I'm going to look up I'm going to talk about accounts of what happened that day and what went down. So the first one is going to come from um, history.com, of course, which, you know, I found out the History Channel is less and less history the more I watch it. So it said the Romanov family executed in the, a third 300 year imperial dynasty. And you're, don't make fun of me, all right? I ain't Russian. And you're Katerinburg, Russia. Tsar Nicholas II and his family are executed by Bolsheviks, bringing it into the three-century-old Romanov dynasty. Crowned in 1869, I mean 1896, sorry, Nicholas was neither trained nor inclined to rule, which did not help the autocracy he sought to preserve among a people desperate for change. Disaster outcome for the Russo-Japanese War led to the Russian Revolution of 1905, which ended only after Nicholas approved a representative assembly, the Duma, and promised constitutional reform. The Tsar soon retracted these concessions and repeatedly dissolved the Duma when it opposed him, contributing to the growing public support for the Bolsheviks and other revolutionary groups. In 1914, Nicholas led his country into another costly war, World War I, that Russia was ill-prepared to win. Discontent grew, uh, grew as food became scarce, soldiers became war-worried, and devastating defeat at the hands of Germany demonstrated the ineffectiveness of Russia in, under Nicholas. In March 1917, Revolution broke out on the streets of Petrograd, now St. Petersburg. And Nicholas was forced to advocate his throne later that month. That November, the radical socialist Bolsheviks, led by Vladimir Lenin, seized power in Russia from the provisional government, sued for peace with the Central Powers, and set about establishing the world's first communist state. Civil war broke out in Russia in June 1918. And in July, the anti-Bolsheviks, white Russians, forced advance and on that why that why word yeah i'm gonna say why word <laughs> where nicholas and his family were located during the campaign against the bolshevik forces local authorities were ordered to prevent a rescue of the romanovs and after a secret meeting of the Weiberg soviets a death sentence was passed on the imperial and the passed on the imperial family 
Later on that night of July 16th, Nicholas, Alexandria, their five children, and four servants were ordered to dress quickly and go down to the cellar of the house in which they were being held. There, the family and servants were arranged in two worlds for a photograph they were told was being taken to quell rumors that they had escaped. Suddenly, a dozen armed men burst into the room and gunned down the Imperial family in a hail of gunfire. Okay, that was a punk-ass move, right? Like, oh yeah, y'all gonna get ready to get for a picture. So they had no way of defending themselves. If I'm gonna go against somebody, I wanna fight. I don't want to sit up there and just shoot you in your head and get it over with. That was very punk. That suddenly, quote was the head escape. Suddenly, a dozen army, yeah, okay, those who were still breathing when the smoke cleared was stabbed to death. The remains of Nicholas, Alexandra, and three of their children were ex excavated in forests near Weiberg in 1991 and positively identified two years later using DNA fingerprinting. The Crown Prince, Alex Alexei, and one Romanoff daughter were not accounted for. Feeling the persistent legend that Anastasia, the youngest Romanoff daughter, had survived the execution of her family of the several Anastasias that surfaced in Europe in a decade after revolutionary, the Russian Revolution, Anna Anderson, who died in the United States in 1984, was the most convincing. Ooh. In 1994, however, scientists used DNA to prove that Anna Anderson was not the Tsar's daughter, but a Polish woman named Franziski Szczankowski. Hmm. Funny, isn't it? All right, let's look at another article from townandcountrymag.com. And you understand when you read different articles, you do understand and you do realize like they basically tell you a little bit of truth. They don't tell you the whole truth, but they tell you a little bit, enough information for you to be like, why would that happen? The devastating true story of the Romanov family execution. Um, the Russian royal family was executed and buried in July 1918. So why does Vladimir Putin keep bringing up the bodies? Oh, so Vladimir Putin keeps bringing up the bodies? Hmm. What do we know? At about 1 a.m. on July 17th, 1918, in a fortified mansion in the town of Eberg in the Ural Mountains, the Romanovs, ex-Tsar, Nicholas II, ex-Tsarina Alex Alexandria, their five children and their four remaining servants, including the loyal family doctor, Eugene Bakens. All right. So keep in mind, there were four remaining servants and loyal family doctor, Eugene Bakens were awoken by the Bolsheviks' captors and told that they must dress and gather their belongings for a swift nocturnal departure. So they thought they were going to escape. So in this, according to this, they thought they were going to leave. They thought they were going to escape. The white armies, which supported the Tsar, were approaching. The prisoners could already hear the boom of the big guns. They gathered in the cell of the mansion, staying together almost as if they were posing for a family portrait. Alexandra, who was sick, asked for a chair, and Nicholas asked for another one for his only son, 13-year-old Alexei. Two were brought down. They waited there until suddenly 11 or 12 heavily armed men filled, filed a into the room. What happened next, the slaughter of the family and servants, was one of the, of the seminal events of the 20th, 20th century. A wanton, a wanton massacre that shocked the world and still inspire a terrible fascination today. A 300-year-old imperial dynasty, one marked by periods of glorious achievements as well as staggering hubris and ineptitude, was swiftly brought to an end. 
But while the Romanovs politically reigned was over, the story of the line last rulers and his family was most certainly not. For the better part of the 21st century, the bodies of the victims lay in two unmarked graves, the location of which were kept secret by Soviet leaders. In 1979, amateur historian discovered the remains of Nicholas, Alexandra, and three daughters, Olga, Tatiana, and Anastasia. Anastasia. Well, Anastasia. Well, I think they say Anastasia. I'm sorry. In 1981, after the collapse of the Soviet Union, the grave were reopened and the identity of the interior confirmed by DNA testing. In a ceremony in 1988, attended by the Russian president, Boris Yeltsin, and 50 or so Romanov relatives, the remains were buried in the family crypt in St. Petersburg when partial remains of two skeletons believed to be remaining Romanov children, Alexei and Maria. Now, the other article said it was Alexei and Anastasia. So somebody need to get their story straight. were found in 2007 and similarity tested. Most people assumed they would be buried there as well. Instead, events took a strange turn. Even though both sets of remains were identified by the team of top international scientists who compared recovered DNA to samples from living Romanov relatives, members of the Russian Orthodox Church questioned the validity of the findings. More research was needed. They claim rather than rebury Alexei and Maria, the authorities stored them in a box in the state archives until 2015 and then turned them over to the church for further examination. Last fall, the official state investigation, when they say last fall, this article was written October 12, 2018. So, yeah, they weren't doing this last fall. They were doing this three falls ago. Two falls ago. Last fall, the official state investigation of the Tsar's murder was reopened in, uh, in Nicholas and Alexandra. I'm sorry, y'all. Nicholas and Alexandra were exhumed as well as Nicholas' father, Alexander III. What? Since they, since then, there have been conflicting reports from government and church officials on when or if the entire Romanov family will be reburied, reunited, even if only in death. Had Nicholas II died after the first 10 years of his reign, he came to power in 1894, he would have been regarded as a moderately successful emperor. Ultimately, though, his well-intentioned but weak personality, which also comprised duplicity, obstinacy, and delusions, contributed to the disaster that befell the dynasty and Russia. He was handsome and blue-eyed, Hmm. That's a matter of opinion, but okay. But diminutive and harshly and hardly majestic in his looks and emasculated manner concealed an astonishing arrogance, contempt for education, political classes, vicious anti-Semitism, and unshakable belief in his right to rule as sacred autocrat. Yeah, you messed up with this anti-Semitism for you. Um, he was jealous of his ministers and he possessed the unfortunate ability to make himself utterly distrusted by his own government. His marriage to Princess Alex Alexandra of Hesse only exacerbated these qualities. There was a love match which was unusual for the time, but both Nicholas' father and Alexandra's grandmother, Queen Victoria of England, regarded her as too unstable to secede as empress. She brought to the relationship paranoia, mystical fantasism, and vindictive and steely will. Also, through no fault of her own, she brought the royal disease, hemophilia, into the family and passed it to her son, the imperial heir, Zarevich Alexei, undermining the power of the family and distorting their interests. Wow, okay. The personal inadequacy of Nikolai, oh, Nicholas, and Alexandra led them both to seek support and advice from Grigory Rasputin. Y'all know Rasputin was a villain in the movie, but in real life, he wasn't really a villain. Well, I don't know. It's it's conflicting account about him. 
a holy man whose notorious sexual promiscuity, hard drinking, and corrupt inept political mechanism, machinations, and their name further isolating the couple from the government and people of Russia. The crisis of World War I placed the fragile regime under intolerable stress. In February 1917, Nicholas II lost control of protests in St. Petersburg, which had been renamed Petrograd during the war to sound less German, oh girl, and was soon forced to abdicate, replaced by a republic under provisional government. The 1998 reburial of the Ronovs was a solemn state event meant to showcase the Russian nation's reconciliation with its past. In a televised procession, soldiers in dress uniforms carried coffins down a red carpet, passed Romanov descendants and assembly dignitaries, and into the Peter and Paul Cathedral in St. Petersburg. President Yeltsin, a former Communist Party leader, told those gathered that the lesson of the 20th century was the political change must never again be enforced by violence. Easy for you to say, right? Because you, you know, okay. Priests from the resurgent Russian Orthodox Church offer blessings, but notably the patriarch of the church was not in attendance. At the time, the Orthodox Church would have been an interested part of the Romanov system of rule was really establishing itself as a national power. Many members of his hierarchy resented the fact that the burial summary had been directly almost entirely by Yeltsin's secular political agenda to promote a liberal democratic Russia. Hmm. Shall I read this whole thing and shall I continue? Okay. A decade later, scientists announced that the two bodies found in the second grave were Alexei and Maria. This time, the church publicly objected to find the other foreign experts, and the members of the forensic teams were American, and even questioned the earlier identification of Nicholas and the others. The church had canonized the family in 2000, which means that any physical remains were now holy relics. It was essential the church remained that remained that it have a role in making sure the bodies were correctly identified. Yeltsin had resigned the presidency of the Russian Federation in 1999 and handed over the power to a little-known KGB colonel. colonel named Vladimir Putin. The young leader regarded the fall of the USSR as the greatest catastrophe of the 21st cent of the 20th century, and as soon as he took office, he started centralizing power, reigning in foreign influences, and promoting a combination of nationalism, orthodox faith, and aggressive foreign policy. It was an effective approach that, ironically, could have been taken from any number of Romanov czar's playbooks. Putin was no clo no closet royalist, but he was an admirer of the autocracy perfected by the Romanovs. Though born under Soviet communism, he had a pragmatistic understanding of history, and particularly the fact that the most forceful leader of Russia, from Peter to the Great to Catherine the Great to Joseph Stalin, had managed to personify the essence of not just the state, but the Russian soul and Russia's uniqueness in world's history. Like the first Romanov ruler, Putin came to power during a time of trouble, and like his forebears, he set about restoring the power of state and persona of his rule. Rejecting the findings of the international scientists was, of course, a power grab by the newly emboldened church, and it was supported by a growing anti-Western sentiment promoted by the Kremlin and shared by much of Russia's, Russian society. By agreeing to the church conditions, Putin was appeasing an important ally, but the move also reflect conspiracy theories, which often had anti-Semitic undercurrents spreading among ultra-nationalistic about the remains, one was the Lenin and his henchmen, many of whom were Jewish, Jewish, and had demanded that the head of the saintly Romanovs be brought to Moscow as a sort of diabolical Hebraic Bolshevik tribute. Was this the reason for the shattered state of the bones, or were these bones really the Romanovs, or had someone escaped? Ooh, this article is long.
Honey, I'm just trying to get to the part to why uh, he wants to. We never got to the point to where we understood why, why, um, this article is very long. To the person that wrote that, God bless your hands. Um, but we never got to why Putin wanted to do that. So... With that being said, like I said before, um, the Russian government would have been more powerful than the American. There's no, I mean, not American. Then the Russian um, monarchy would have been more powerful than the British monarchy. And I don't believe not one chance that they were not set up by someone that knew them and they knew the people who set them up. But was it the Windsors or was it not? That will be the question. Now, we don't know what happened. We all don't know what happened. We just know that they were murdered viciously. Even the children were. And um, we just know they were murdered viciously for no reason. We're not, they were murdered viciously for a reason because they ignored the problems of the people in their country. But I have a feeling that there was another reason for why they were murdered and it had to do with the fact that they were the most powerful monarchy in European history. They had a 300-year reign, honey. With that being said, thank you guys for listening to my podcast. This is My Minds Emporium. Keep note of your favorite royals. Oh, and by the way, before I get off, word on the street is Meghan Markle trying to go for 2024 presidential one. You see what I'm saying? Y'all see what I'm saying? What did I say? What did I say? I thought we wanted to cheer it, but I forgot Meghan Markle is an American citizen. I see you over there. Okay, I saw that. Thank you guys for listening. <laughs>